0: a university that was now making more money being used as a film set why would I go to university accumulate debt to say universities aren't about opinion we don't teach opinion
1: Uh, students challenge the ideas more these days asking questions is the essence of what the university is They ask all the kind of stupid questions just like I do right now Um. thank you so much for doing it again Um, so we'll We'll start right, right away. And uh, the idea that my goal is here to explore the idea of higher education in, um, in America, North America specifically. I know there are multiple examples, but I'm really focused on that today. So to kind of set a baseline, how would you define the main role of universities right now?
0: Well, I think it's changing. If you think back to higher education in North America In the 1950s, early 1950s, there would have been no more than maybe 15% of the population would think of going to university um, after they'd finished high school. I think the percentage would probably be quite a bit lower even. So those were days when there was a conception that university offered something very different from preparation for the job market. You You would enter the job market by different routes in those days. I think what's happened, you know, really over the 50, 60 years since since that time uh, is that obviously university participation levels have really increased. Uh, And along with that has come a slightly different conception of what a university education should be. So here I'm talking about societal understandings of this, not my own. I'm trying to talk about the way people see it uh so you know uh, as recently as the end of the of the 20th century uh, i think there was a recognition that universities provide uh, an education for citizenship in a way they 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 prepare someone uh for leadership in in society for uh, a contribution that could take many forms uh in other words education is understood as not particularly keyed to a, a particular career outcome mm. And it wasn't even a matter of inculcating skills, it was more a matter of Mm. cultivating intellectual and emotional and other forms of capacity. Uh, I think what's happened in the last several, no, let's go maybe a decade and a half, is that uh, there's a view increasingly taken of university education, which maps onto growing levels of participation uh, that universities are really about preparing people for the job market. Um, mm. And even though there's a recognition that that is a job market as kind of understood in a more sophisticated way, it is nevertheless the inculcation of skills that will enable you to do a particular job. And governments uh, are more and more uh, think about universities as providing uh, individuals who will play a role in the economic machine of the province of the state. Okay. Um, uh, I'm not sure that the students themselves or their parents necessarily want to view education in that way, but on the whole society has, has been increasingly fixated on the idea of higher education as preparation for the workforce. So, I mean, recent governments in our province talk about uh, job-ready students, mm-hmm. whatever that is, yeah. um, and at a time when people can't really predict what the jobs of the future are it's a very interesting expectation of universities Mm -hmm. to say prepare students for jobs we can't actually imagine just yet and yet i mean the obvious answer to that is well therefore you go back to the original mandate of universities which is to cultivate in people powers of analysis powers of thought uh, the ability to to think through a problem and to find solutions to it cultural awareness the ability to communicate all of those things which are uh, personal characteristics, which do equip students to do a whole lot of things mm-hmm. that aren't necessarily on the agenda right now. Um, but it's interesting that governments tend on the whole not to go back to the notion of a kind of liberal education as the, the empowering thing for students, uh, even when they recognize that the jobs which students are supposedly being prepared are undefinable. Uh, or unpredictable in part. So for for me as an educator, it's a very difficult moment because I, I passionately believe that these places don't exist just to train students to do a limited number of jobs. Um, uh, I think these places are about producing individuals who will, A, find fulfillment as individuals in their personal lives, their professional lives who will be uh, functioning, effective citizens and make our whole society a better, a better thing and will contribute to the growth and advancement of our society. That, I mean, I think that's, that is what our aim ought to be. Uh, and that is traditionally what universities have been asked to do by society, this more recent thing.
1: And why do really? you think it kind of came back to the job? Because I'll I be very honest, like I came to university with the idea as well yeah. to get... It was a kind of an economic boost, like, you know, yeah. in, uh, I come, I get my education, and then I go and get a job. Uh, that's, that was my idea when I, when I started my university, um, that I consider that I'm coming from a different country and that it is the, the, reason, yeah. the only reason why people go to universities there. So why do you think there, the shift happened to, well, to, to more job oriented?
0: So the first thing I would say, there's absolutely nothing wrong with coming to university for for that goal. So that is one thing that universities must do, right? And universities have always made the boast that, you know, attendance at a university, possession of a higher education qualification does increase your earning potential in the future and all those things. Mm -hmm. So yes, that's all good. And none of that is problematic in terms of the overall mission of the university um so then your question is a good one so what what what's the shift and how did we end up where we are with people thinking of the primary function of the university as producing people who are job ready um i mean it's partly economic times uh there's a generational shift underway you know that that period i was talking about in the 1950s and 60s when a kind of a more you might for want of a better word a more leisurely approach to higher Mm -hmm. education you know it's licensed by that period of post-war prosperity and so on my own son is 30 years old he he thinks of himself as a millennial he's actually very anxious about his future and uh, so on his behalf am I and that's true of many students and their families and the governments who support them so I don't think there's any um, there's, there's anything sinister about this drift. Um, I, I just think it's a little misguided in the sense that, uh, you know, if you want to be a brain surgeon, that's great. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're clear on that, there will be a need for brain surgeons, although presumably there'll be some kind of robotic thing in the future that you'll need to master. But, you know, if you do have specific professional goals, there's absolutely nothing wrong with coming to university to see those goals satisfied. on the other hand, all the jobs of the future are not all going to be like that and they are not all that predictable at this yeah. stage. So then the critical question is, well, how do we educate students to, to be successful in those other areas mm-hmm. where the skill is not presently identifiable or even predictable? And I think there, um, you know, you can look at almost any human challenge uh students will benefit from some multidisciplinary cross cultural understanding and awareness they will benefit from powers of analysis they will benefit from being able to communicate very well uh they will benefit from being uh literate and numerate whatever mm-hmm. whatever their field of interest you know people like myself who are literary humanities people need to be aware of science technology mathematics those kinds of things so I mean, my thinking about this is that the best um, insurance against the future for young people now uh, is that they need to have all those capacities. They've got to have an ability to understand things in a multidisciplinary way. Mm-hmm. They've got to have problem-solving capacity. They've got to know how to work in teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've got to have a different notion of what leadership looks like, because it's very different nowadays. Um uh, they've got to be to some extent self-directed, because um, the old the old days of you know a lifetime of career aspirations being satisfied by a paternalistic company which um, employed you and then eventually yeah. pensioned you off forty exactly. years later that that is largely gone you yeah. know so so I think what's expected of people to be successful in all the ways I suggested not just in personal career terms but as citizens and so on is a different model for education and -hmm. i would say it's probably a different model of education from the one that most institutions like ours currently Mm -hmm. exemplifies so there's been a lot of discussion at mcmaster lately about how you diversify the curriculum how you build in that capacity for cross-disciplinary work how you build in the these things that people always call soft skills which i think are critically important Um, but there's been a lot of discussion here and a lot of program change to recognize the importance of those fields. And I think that's the right direction to be moving in.
1: Why do you think that university is the best, not the best, but a very good institution to go and learn these skills? Like why, for example, especially considering the automation and as considering everything that you described, that there's, there will be jobs that we don't know even that are coming. Like, why would I go to university, accumulate debt, and not just go and work and then maybe through working and I will get the teamwork and soft skills and leadership. Uh, Again, keeping in mind the depth that we're accumulating while we're in school.
0: I think, yeah,
1: so you might say,
0: you know, if you were simply wanting a particular skill to do a particular job, you might go to a college which will provide you with the skills. So Mm -hmm. what what does university give you that other forms of education or, you know, at work, workplace, uh, practical learning gives you? Well, I think the big difference is that university education always tries to provide you with an intellectual framework. It could be theoretical. It could be uh, broadly disciplinary, um, which allows you whatever problem you're bringing your talents to bear on to understand in big conceptual terms before you begin to formulate the the particular solution right Mm -hmm. so for example you know you you think of of what's happened with medical education in recent years right so um one of the results of that post-war period increasing specialization is that people begin to think of the body and its various issues as essentially uh, um, a very technical issue for medicalization right now we're in a different phase in which people think of health problems as having broad determinants, both at the molecular level. So when, mm-hmm. when you when you become you know develop cancer or something, yes, there's something going on at the molecular level. Um, but what about the other things? What about the environmental dimensions? Uh, what about the discrepancies between life expectancy and health outcomes, uh, depending on socioeconomic background? So here in Hamilton, we know. That depending on where you live in the city, your, house, your health outcomes are going to be dramatically different. Okay. So he, he, here we're looking then at a model of approaching health as a field in which people work that is not just technical. That involves a grasp of society and its issues, that it in- involves an understanding of culture, that does involve an understanding of what mm-hmm. goes on at the molecular yeah. level. So, you know, the, the biochemical stuff is still absolutely critical. But the, the likelihood of success on a particular human challenge is maximized by your bringing more to mm-hmm. your work on that problem than would have been the case of someone who's just been narrowly technically trained. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. Um, it's like that old thing, you know, I don't even know how the idiom works, but anyway, to, to uh, everything that looks like a nail, the hammer is the obvious solution, you know. So if you've only got one solution, you always see the problem in certain uh-huh. terms. And I think the benefit of what a university enables you to do is it helps you understand that thing you're looking at as not just a nail, more. but a more complex problem, and it helps you come to a more complex solution to it. And I think, you know, that's true whether you're in engineering, whether you're in the medical field. It's true even if you're, you know, if you're in social work. Yeah. You know, there's um, it. It is important uh, that you have a theoretical framework and a breadth of understanding of the many issues that impinge on your on your challenge to help you find the solutions.
1: With everything we're talking, like with the current technological investments and what happened in the past 10, 20 years with the internet specifically, for example. So I actually looked into that and... Internet pretty much disrupted every single industry with an exception of academia and healthcare. <laughs> and uh, my question is that, do you think it will ever disrupt academia and kind of get become actually a serious player in some kind of online education and will be able to provide the framework or uh, everything that you described the university currently provides?
0: Yeah. Well, it's a really good question. Um, what do I think about that? I... I... The first thing I'd point out is that the two fields you name uh, have a lot in common because they have to do with human beings. Mm-hmm. Right? So the problems you're dealing with, the capacities you're dealing with are uniquely and enigmatically human. And uh, I like to think, although you know, <laughs> could be wrong on this, Brad, but <laughs> I, I I like to think that things that are fundamentally human will never lose a fundamentally human dimension, mm-hmm. you know. So yes, I'm sure in health, in terms of healthcare, diagnostics will become more more sophisticated. AI will do all kinds of things. Um, uh, it'll enable more effective um, radiographic uh, interventions in, in healthcare and so on. I, so yes, I, I think the techniques available to people engaged in healthcare will become more and more sophisticated with technology and undoubtedly in that process certain things currently done by human beings won't be done anymore or will be done to a lesser extent um but i can't imagine speaking as a human being that you know i would ever find the ultimate salutary experience mm-hmm. Uh, an experience with a machine, it, it, that makes no sense to me. Um, and and then, then I'd say the same thing about education because I think education is uh, a fundamentally communal thing and it is a profoundly human thing in ways that are quite ineffable and difficult to express. Um, now, I've watched actually uh, the appearance of technology in higher education with a lot of interest over the last 15-20 years. And there was a time not so long ago, because I remember giving a talk about this at USA just after I started at Mac, when people were saying, you know, eventually, you know, there'll be MOOCs, a lot of universities will close down. I mean, Mm -hmm. why would you go to University X when you can take a bunch of MOOCs put online by Harvard, and you're getting a Harvard education? Why would you go to Oh, thank exactly. you, you know that was actually an interesting question and uh i remember being struck by an article i read in in one of the uk papers about a university that was now making more money being used as a film set than it was being used <laughs> as a that's place sad. for education this that's terribly really sad. sad so the question was do all these beautiful campuses wind up film sets for harry potter type movies yeah. right and and, and uh I don't think I ever believed in that threat, but certainly some people did, that, that uh, we were, you know, the, and a major technological intervention had, in a sense, already occurred, and higher education institutions had better adapt themselves to this, or die, or maybe there's no adapting to it, mm-hmm. you know. Death is inevitable. Well, I point out that higher education institutions are over nine hundred years old. I mean, the University of Bologna is founded nine hundred and thirty-two yeah. years ago. So, uh, and there have been many major interventions uh, in in society and culture in that time, uh, perceived to be very far-reaching and significant. And universities are still there.
1: Do you think it's because? Uh, is it fair because they've been here for so long that the trust in institutions are just so high that people are like, does McMaster Mac- Mac- have been there f- here forever, Harvard being here forever, so I will go no matter what? Or you think, and then it's a question of, is it like just elite schools or it's uh, across yeah. the
0: board? So that's a great question. See, I don't know whether I would, wouldn't turn it around. I mean, you could say... That these places become self-perpetuating because of their reputation, and that issue of mm-hmm. public trust. And yes. it's true if you if you look at surveys of what institutions are trusted in Canada. Mm-hmm. You know, people typically don't trust governments, <laughs> uh, and there are certain things they don't trust. Maybe they don't trust business. They do trust universities. Okay. It's actually very interesting.
1: In Canada? Yeah. Uh-huh.
0: Um, There's a high level of trust. Um, is it going up or down? Do you know that? No. Um, it fluctuates. Okay. I, was, like, I mean, trust in all public institutions is okay, on, in decline. Okay. So, okay. <laughs> but... Um, so you're, you're, the way you put the question is, I think, really good. So, you know, is the place going to survive just because there is that level of trust? And to some extent, it's true. But it's only true insofar as students coming into these institutions and the public who fund them believe that what the institutions are doing is valuable. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, they do exist, uh, I suppose, because of the generosity of the of general course. public, you know. Yeah. Um, so everybody's got to trust that these institutions are not only not going to cheat anybody, but more than that, that, are, that we're going to continue to be useful to society and to the students who come here. Um, so um, I think... How do you earn that trust and how do you preserve that? So I guess in a way I'm saying my answer to the question is I agree with your read of it, that it's partly because these places are trusted that they'll continue. But they will continue only to the extent that they continue to satisfy that trust. Mm. And what does that mean? Um, And I think that's linked to the question of what people want when they learn. So what I've observed in the period since uh, all the uh, talk about MOOCs is that it's not the case that online learning has even come close to threatening in-person learning on the Mac campus or at many, many other uh, Canadian universities. What has really happened, which I think is really exciting, is a kind of a hybrid model emerging in which technology is embraced, Mm -hmm. uh, provides new ways of engaging students in the learning process which are then added on to some of the beneficial aspects of in-person education. And sometimes the technology drives changes in the way that in-person stuff happens. So the notion of the flipped classroom, for example, is fantastic. So you go from a classroom in which, you know, a professor like me used to come in and drone away at the front just covering basic content to a situation in which it's assumed the students will be able to acquire the content of the course through online preparation, reading stuff that's been posted. And then that's, that leaves you then with an opportunity to do something completely different in the, classroom. in the classroom. okay. And then that's where these things which are important to the new dimension of learning come in. Group learning, self-directed learning, research-based learning, work-integrated learning. So it doesn't have to happen in a classroom anymore. Mm-hmm. It can happen in the workplace. So um, I actually think, you know, you're know, listening to me at the start of my answer to this question, you might have thought I was this predictable old, old-fashioned English prof. <laughs> but I, I actually love technology and what it's doing to higher ed. And my perception of it is that it is, we're entering a really nice phase in which technology has lost that cachet of being the whole of the future mm-hmm. to being that fabulous human development, which is going to assist us to do other things, um, to do better the human dimension of learning.
1: Going back to a bit of to higher education, the, this is, we have a really exciting component of the technology that, that's comes. I want to, I came across the statistics and it's a U.S. statistic, so please bear with me here. That's completely blew my mind. Like I told people in this room before, so I read that, um, in 2015, they did a study in terms of trust in universities, and the 57% trusted the universities, whatever that mm-hmm. was. And then in 2018, it went down to like 48%. And then the, what they did, they separated into Republicans and Democrats. <laughs>
0: yeah. And
1: then, like, you can imagine the trend is that for Republicans it went from like 56 to 38, and Democrats from 60, something 68 to 62. So it's like a drastic change. So like when I saw that, I'm like, wh- why is it like because, so like all the questions like I wouldn't want to think, do you think it's like more statistics? A prof in statistics taught me that there are open lie, there's closed lie, and then there's statistics. So <laughs> is it this or there's just a trend that we may be noticing right now or it will go back as you said, it's a fluctuates? Yeah.
0: So I'm not a statistician. I can't really comment on, you know, yeah. the reliability of these kinds of stats. I and mean, as you as you acknowledged, that issue of trust is very different in this country yeah. from the U.S. But I think that, that question has to do with the rather weird moment we're in mm-hmm. historically. Uh, I mean... It's extraordinary to me that we, in a very short period, have gone from being a society that was all about evidence and research and decisions made on the basis of sound evidence to being actually, I mean, to people who do do what I do, this is sort of stupefying to think mm-hmm. that we exist at a cultural moment in which truth interest in evidence and all of these things is being disparaged and not just by minorities but by the occupant of the white house mm-hmm. you know i mean and uh um same is true in the uk i mean one of the fam- one of uh, Theresa may's uh, most well known uh, cabinet members spoke about having heard enough of, from experts, right? We've yeah. had enough of experts on. So that is a really weird thing because the whole notion of the progress of global society, certainly in the West, in the post-war era, has been tied to the issue of the progress of science, the examination of evidence, and the advancement of analysis and so on. And everything from technology to ethics to uh, I mean, even even thinking about progress from colonialism to a post-colonial period Mm. is premised on the idea of the power of analysis to achieve, to reach an understanding of some kind of truth, which is always then understood to be provisional, pending further analysis and so on. And um, it's impossible to me now to separate the question of the way in which institutions of higher learning are perceived from this broader ferment of skepticism about expertise that has gripped the us but mm-hmm. it's also there in 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 uh the uk and um the, there's an argument you could make for it being active in in our culture in canada right now in in certain provinces do you think it's
1: active in i don't know Do you think it's active in universities like do you think there are people who might come with already kind of established beliefs that this is how it's supposed to be done and this is how it will be done so no matter what you say Uh, i will just roll with it like it's i i encountered that when i wasn't when i was in school and it was very interesting for me because again i came from a foreign country i think i changed my beliefs three times while i was in universities like it was i i came I, i had no idea what like people were talking i didn't know idea of uh idea of a left or right political spectrum like nothing none of it so like oh i'm this and then i'm this and then through discussions kind of solidified like my understanding and then science education gave me this like facts that are everything check your studies yeah uh but then sometimes like i talk to people even like on campus and i don't see that as well so like even even in canada which completely blows me away
0: i think you know i mean so people who do what i do have a uh an ideal, idealistic vision of what happens in university, and that's that we're all a combination of perfect open-mindedness and mm-hmm. powerful conviction, and you know, uh, determination to bring our analytical gifts to bear on anything, and so you know, able to embrace complete provisionality, right? Yeah. But actually, that's, that, that, that human nature doesn't really work that way, and, yeah. and so. A university is just like any other societal construct. It's a mixture of people, some of whom are very open-minded and some of whom are not. Uh, I think probably the proportion of people interested in reassessing their understanding of things on the basis of evidence provided is much higher in universities as it should be. Yeah, yeah. I really hope so. But at the same time, you know, part of what's fabulous about universities and why I've always loved them is they're places of debate and you don't have debate unless people are prepared to argue for Mm -hmm. and fight for a position they believe in. So there's a certain aspect to the university that has to see, um, openness working in some kind of dynamic, dynamic tension with, with belief and acceptance of certain facts. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? So, uh, If we thought everything was, you know, if we were all uh, universally open-minded, we'd live in a sort of bizarre postmodern universe Mm. in which the notion of even a provisional truth would have no meaning. That's not the way it works, you know. I mean, academics, the students who come and study here, the academics who teach them, are almost all engaged in the pursuit of truth and a heightened understanding of their field. Um, they will all understand truth differently. You know, mm. what is truth to an English literature professor like me? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's not the way Rudy Giuliani would ask, <laughs> so what, what is truth? But it's a different kind of question, but what is it, you know, if, if, if a literary critic is seeking truth, what is it? I mean, is it a refined understanding? Is it a demystification of meaning? Is it an understanding of the constituent parts of meaning? I don't know. But that's something very different, let's say, from uh, what, uh, let's say, someone in, in physics is trying to understand in experimental physics when they're actually trying to understand something about the laws of nature. So we're all here trying to understand truth. Mm-hmm. We'd all define it slightly differently. The thing looks different. Mm-hmm. But the goal is the same. Um, and here, way more than outside of the boundaries of the university, uh one hopes that there is implicitly anyway openness to
1: being just like you were contradicted and changed you know mm-hmm. i mean and you are you talking both students or uh, students and maybe and professors everybody. Right? It's, everybody it's
0: everybody i mean uh, this i i don't i mean i see students and professors it's a continuum right whether you're an undergrad student or grad student yeah. or a professor these places are about an approach to the mind and a use of the mind to engage with the world that should be pretty consistent. Um, the only thing that's different is that people are at different stages in the process of engaging with the world through that intellectual capacity and uh, when you're just beginning when you come out of high school and you come here whoa, well, it's it's sort of bizarre to be in a place where yes you're going to be told this is the accepted mm-hmm. interpretation of how the world mm-hmm. works so we're telling you that, but we're also telling you that implicit in this is the expectation
1: that you will ask questions and you will you will challenge this. Um, do you think people challenge? I cannot not ask. That. Do you think people challenge this more now or less? Kind of, we we talk all the all the time on campuses and how uh, there's like a it's a it's it's always leaned more to the liberal side of things. And then like, do you think that uh, students challenge the ideas more these days in terms of i I know i'm not sure if you're teaching at this point uh, but um it's just something that always like always very interesting uh for me even in classes like i think i had a great advantage because i wasn't I didn't grow up here. So I ask all the kind of stupid questions just like I do right now. So, <laughs> so that's kind of, there's not, nothing, no background for me. So I would like, yeah, why, why is that? Uh, but do you think this is kind of the common thing on campus right now? Or it's a more, we're like, we, or we at end like we figured it out. Like we know what's right. Huh. Um,
0: well, uh, asking questions is the essence of what the university is. It's nothing other than a place which is about asking questions. Uh, And so everything you do, whether you're a researcher in a lab or whether you're sitting in a classroom as a student, um, if, if you're not in the business of asking questions or of helping people ask questions or of showing them why something should be questioned, this is you're not doing the work of the university. So another way of putting it is to say universities aren't about opinion. We don't teach opinion. Mm. We teach a way of thinking and a way of thinking that is premised on the notion of interrogation. You question everything. So for me, there's no such thing as too much. Um, and uh, there is such a thing as too much opinion because mm. the spouting of opinion is is... Uh, yeah. it's going to happen in universities yes uh is it is it commensurate with the mandate and the goals of universities not really um, so i I think it's impossible to say whether people ask more questions now than they did before i mean i I was an undergraduate student in South Africa during apartheid i yeah. was a student rebel. Mm-hmm. So I was asking questions about that political system and supporting people who did. People who asked questions much more bravely than I did, you know. Um, so uh, uh, I'm also a child of the 1960s. So had I been in, in, in uh, North America during that period, I would have been involved in various kinds of student mm-hmm. activism, I'm quite sure, and I would have been asking questions. Yeah. And I think... Um, uh, Right now, students continue to ask questions and should be encouraged to do so. They do so in, in a slightly different kind of context and, uh, you know, uh, I think it's to be encouraged, however it manifests itself. Mm-hmm. But um, you mentioned that universities tend to, to the left. Yeah. Well, I, I, the way I like to think about it is that it's not so much they tend towards the left, uh-huh. it's they tend away from doctrine.
1: Um, but isn't there doctrine on both sides? Yeah.
0: Yes, yeah. there is. There, you know, I mean, you know, Marx is right. are yeah. doctrine, yeah. right? Yes, so, um, but that's not, people don't mistrust universities because they think too much Marx is being mm-hmm. read here. Mm-hmm. Or they don't even care too much what doctrine there is afoot. But I think what is disconcerting for some people about universities, and it's why they don't tend to thrive in, in authoritarian countries, is that the the habit of asking questions is anathema to people who wish to see society proceed on the basis of certain untested assumptions about who has privilege who should have the right mm-hmm. to to vote who should not whether one color is better than another color yeah. whether being an original person somewhere is more important than being a visitor you know um so to me that's so yeah, you might say the habit of, of questioning looks like a preoccupation of the left, but, you know, on the left you can get just as doctrinaire and inflexible as you can yeah. on the right. And there's, there is a way, even on the political right, of exercising that capacity for questioning. Um, but as a defining attribute, which indeed the... the the technique of questioning is to universities, I, I think you could probably defend the argument that it is it is about subverting. Mm-hmm. Universities do subvert. That's the point of them. Mm-hmm. Um, which is why to say, well, it's just about producing you know, job-ready grads yeah. for the market is anathema to the mission of universities. Because, yeah, we want to do that because we want our students to really succeed and we want a great, healthy and prosperous society. Uh, But the argument would always be one way in which you prepare students for that is by cultivating the art of questioning and subversion. We don't, except in a profound sense, uh, teach compliance in a university. I mean, there is an argument, you might say. Mm -hmm. I mean, universities, like any social institution, it's, it's an institution which enshrines certain kinds of behavior, and it certainly enshrines a certain kind of economic system yeah so you know it uh it is it's a creation with its own contradictions and when you come here you are to some extent socialized Mm. uh, as you are in any human institution um uh the one thing i suppose that sets universities apart from other socializing institutions is its insistence on questioning those institutions
1: this is i think a great way to finish oh all right awesome (laughs) (laughs) thanks very much thank you very much